When blood exits the uterus, the womb of a woman, she becomes a nida for seven days. She's Tome, she's forbidden to have relations with her husband. And after that, there is a period of 11 days during which if blood comes out of her, it's considered to be irregular. This is unusual, and she would become Tome as a Zova. This tumor lasts for a day. However, if this occurs three times on three consecutive days during that 11-day period, then she would become what is called a Zova Gudoila, a major Zova, and her tumor would last not just for a day, but for seven days. And the truth is, it would last until seven days pass of no blood exiting her womb. So if blood continues to exit her womb, then she would remain a Zova until seven days pass without that occurring at all. After that, the next time blood exits her womb, she would once again be a Nidor for seven days, and this cycle would start again. Now, the Mishnah discusses, coming on the back of the previous Mishnah, which talked about doubts, and when a woman loses her count, based on a doubt whether she became a Nidor or not. So this Mishnah talks about a case where a woman sees that blood exits her womb during twilight of the 11th day of that 11-day period that follows the week of her being a Nidor. Now this time of being a during the evening is considered to be a doubt whether it's part of the day or it's the beginning of the night. Now, the Jewish day always starts from the night beforehand, so nightfall is considered to be the beginning of the day, and essentially this means that we have a doubt as to whether blood came out of her womb during that 11-day period, in which case it would make her Tome as a Zova, and if blood came out of her womb on day 9 and day 10, then that would mean she's a Zova Gdoila, a major Zova, and she'd be Tome for the next week, even not as a Nidor, and this would not signify the beginning of her next Nidor week. On the other hand, if it is already the night time, this doubtful time of the evening, if the blood came out of her uterus when it's considered to be night already, so then she wouldn't become a Zova, rather it would be the beginning of her being a Nidor for the next week. And although the Mishnah doesn't explicitly say so, the Mishnah is also going to refer to a different case where we can have a very similar kind of doubt, if this occurs at the end of her week of being a Nidah, so that blood that comes out of her during Binash Moshois, if we consider that time to be daytime, then that blood doesn't really make a difference because it's just the end of her being a Nidah. During the week of her being a Nidah, it doesn't really make a difference when blood comes out of her body. However, it's already if it's already considered to be the night time and it's part of the 11-day period, then that blood would make her Tome as a Zova. So the Mishnah says that in both of these cases, to Chilas Nidor, there is a doubt as to whether she. this is the beginning of her week of being a Nidor, the safe Nidor, or in the second case that we just mentioned, at the end, where it's twilight at the end of the week, so this could be blood at the end of her being a Nidor, and in that same case, Chilas Ziva, it could be it's the beginning of her now being a Zova, or if we now return to the first case, twilight at the end of the 11 days, the safe ziva, it could be that it's the end of her being a zova. The point is, in either of these two cases, there is a doubt as to whether the blood that came out of her makes her into a zova, or it is nido blood. On a similar note, if it's Yomar Boim Lazohar, if it is the 40th day after she gave birth to a male son, a baby boy, 
or it is the name Shemayna it's the 80th day after she gave birth to a baby girl. So, and it's twilight, so if it's still the 40th day or the 80th day, then any blood that comes out of her womb will not make her Tomei at all. It wouldn't be considered Nidor blood or Zova blood. However, if it's already the night time of the 41st day or the 81st day, then she would become a Nidor. So again, this would be a case of a doubt. In all of these cases, if it happened during twilight, during this doubtful time of Ben Ashmashos, where we are unsure if it's still the daytime or it's the beginning of the next day, it's nighttime, all of these women are now, literally toyos means they are making a mistake or they are confused. The point is they are now out of sync and they are going to be unsure whether or not they are a nidah. Omar Abiyushua, Abiyushua says an interesting statement over here, before you fix and you set the laws for a foolish woman, that's what it means literally, although there are those who change the word here from being a foolish woman to toyos, women who are confused and have lost their count. Before you discuss the what such a woman should do and the laws that concern her, taknois apikreis. Set forth the laws for regular women. Rabbi Yeshua is coming to say that there are many complications that might exist with a woman from whom blood comes out of her womb, not during a doubtful time. We know exactly when it came out, but even then there can be many complications and there are so many laws involved in that. So why are you going ahead and already discussing these cases when we have a doubt involved? First, you should set forth the law in a case where there is no doubt at all. The blood of a nidor as well as the Nidah herself being an Av HaTumah, on a primary high level of impurity, the blood also is Tomei, and it's also on the level of an Av HaTumah. So if a person or an item were to touch that blood, then they would become Tomei. And likewise, flesh of a human dead body is also an Av HaTumah, so if somebody touches it or carries it, they will become Tomei. And both of these are a source of impurity, both when they are wet and moist, and when they are dry. Once they dry up, it is learnt from Psukim that they do not lose their ability to transfer their impurity onwards to that which touches or carries it. On the other hand, Aval Hazoiv, but the substance that comes out of the male organ of a Zov, the Hania, or that which comes from his nose or when he coughs, that yellowish substance that is also, it's a liquid that comes from a Zov, so it's also an Av HaTumar. It's on that high primary level of impurity, but we're going to see that it would only make something else Tome if it's still moist. The Haroik, or the saliva of a Zov, the Hasheretz, one of the eight Shirotzim, the eight smallish animals that the Torah lists as being an Av HaTumar when they are dead, and even a small amount of a Sheretz, the size of a lentil, can make somebody Tome. The Hanavela, or a larger animal that is dead, that's also a source of impurity. The Shikhvah Zera, the Zera, the substance that comes out of a male organ of a regular person when he has relations, or possibly at other times, all of these things are an Av HaTumar, they're that high primary level of impurity, but Metamin Lachin, they are only able to make other things Tome, or another person Tome, as long as they are still moist. The Enumetamin they would not make anything else Tome if they have dried up. However, it must be that it has dried up properly. If it is in a state that if it were to be soaked in water, then it would go back to its original moist, wet state, then 
it would be able to transfer its impurity onwards when it is moist and in its current dry state, because that's not fully dry. The fact that it can go back to being properly moist as it once was means that it hasn't dried up fully, in which case it still is a source of impurity. The Hamahishiri Yasan, to what extent are we talking about over here that if you were to soak it, it would revert to its original state, but patient we're talking about if you were to soak it in warm water for a period of 24 hours, if you were to do that and it would go back to being moist like it once was, then it is still a source of impurity, but if it has dried up to such an extent that soaking it in warm water for 24 hours would not do that, it wouldn't be able to go back to its original moist state, then it is fully dried up and it would not transfer its impurity onwards to something that touches or carries it. Now, Rabbi Yossi says that actually, with regards to a piece of flesh from a human dead body, if it is dried up fully, to the extent that if it were to be soaked, it would not revert to what it once was, then actually it would be pure. It would not make somebody or something that touches it tome. The only thing that would is the blood of a nidor, but the flesh that comes from a dead body should really be in the second category, according to Rabiasi, things that once they dry up fully, they no longer are a source of impurity. Mr. Base, most of the rest of this parak and the parak that follows this one talk about a kesem, which is a blood stain on a woman's clothes that we are concerned is a result of blood exiting her womb, and it is a sign that she's possibly a nidder. And although this is only a doubt, at the end of the day it could be blood that came from a different source, not from her womb. After all, we're not talking about a time that is her vesses, the fixed time that usually blood comes out of her womb. So this was unexpected, and there is a possibility that it came from a different source. So because of that, on a Torah level, actually we would not consider her to be a nidder, since she has a chazaka of being tohar, until now her status has been such that she has been pure, she hasn't been a nidder, and we now have a doubt as to whether or not she became a nidder, so the concept of chazaka would tell us to presume that she has not become a nidder out of doubt. Nevertheless, because of the chance that she has indeed become a nidder, the Chachomim decreed that if she finds a bloodstain, a kesem, on her clothes, then we would consider her to be a nidder. The question needs to be asked, however, from when? It could be that the bloodstain has been there already for a few days. So how far back do we need to go to be concerned for her tumor? And just before the mission discusses that, the mission discusses a very similar kind of question. A sheretz, one of the eight small-ish animals that the Torah lists as being a source of impurity when they die, even though most very small animals are not a source of impurity, only larger animals when they are dead, of course, but there are eight that the Torah lists as being a source of impurity. And if one of those animals dead was found in a alleyway, a small side street, and meanwhile over the past few days people have been carrying things that need to be kept tohar in that area, and now that a sheretz has been found, we need to be concerned that possibly it might have touched those items that have to be kept pure. Now, the truth is, in this case as well, mid-Oraisa on a Torah level, the concept of chazaka will state that we should presume that those items remain pure. We're not sure if they became tome, and since until now they have been tohar, so we assume that they are still tohar. And indeed, with regards to most items, that is what the law is. However, just like we saw right at the beginning of the Masechta, 
that with regards to truma and the meat of carbonis, sanctified foods whose purity needs to be preserved and there are many stringencies involved in maintaining their high degree of purity. And because of that, when blood exits a woman's body, we are actually concerned, Midrabonon, that it might have exited her womb earlier on and it just got stuck so it only appeared on the surface of her body later on. And all of that is a rabbinic stringency specifically with regards to these sanctified foods that if she touched those, then we would consider them to be possibly Tome. So too, the Mishnah says, specifically with regards to Truma and other sanctified food, Metamila Mafreya, that retroactively we are concerned for the Truma that might have been caused by the Sheretz. So any Truma or other sanctified foods that might have been in that area recently, Midrabanon, we are concerned that they became Tome and that they possibly touched the Sheretz. Now, how far back do we need to go? Until the point in time that he's able to say that I or somebody else checked this mavoi, checked this side street, and didn't find a sheretz, or if nobody checked it, then you go back to the time that it was last swept. Since it is a Jewish area, when somebody sweeps that area, they keep an eye out for shirotzim, which are a source of impurity. So since that time that somebody would have found the sheretz, from that time onwards until the sheretz was found, any truma or other sanctified foods that pass through that street, we consider them to be tome out of doubt, midrabonon. Again, this is a rabbinic stringency. And now the Mishnah relates this to the main focus of Similarly, a bloodstain that is found on a piece of clothing belonging to a woman, we would consider any truma or sanctified foods that touch that garment recently to be tome. Going as far back until we are able to say that I checked this item of clothing and there was no bloodstain on it, or we go back until the last time it was washed. When it was washed, certainly they would have found the bloodstain. And from that time until now, when we found the bloodstain, anything that touched it, if it is sanctified food, then we would consider it to be Tome, possibly out of doubt. Now, the truth is, in certain scenarios, for example, if the blood is still wet... This is really an indication that the bloodstain is very recent. So even if the item of clothing, let's say, wasn't washed in the last few days, we can still see, however, that the blood hasn't been there for a few days. And the same goes for a sheretz. If we can see that the sheretz very recently died, this is an indication that there's no reason to be concerned about things that might have touched it earlier on more than a mere few hours, perhaps. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, it would make things tome whether the sheretz or the blood is moist or dry. When the Mishnah says dry, it doesn't mean that it's totally dry, because we just learned in the previous Mishnah that if it's totally dry up, then the sheretz wouldn't be a source of impurity at all. The Mishnah means that it's dry, but it could revert to being moist once again if it is soaked. So it's still a source of impurity. The point is, whether it has been there for a while, or we can see that it's very recent, we don't start making exceptions according to this opinion of the Mishnah. 
There's a concept called plug. We don't make exceptions when making decrees and Mijabonon. In all of these cases, it would make the sanctified foods tome. Rabbi Shimon Amar Rabbi Shimon says that no, we do take into account the fact that if we can see that it hasn't been there for a long time, there's no reason to be concerned at all for things that happened earlier on. And therefore, if it is dry so we can see that it has been there for a while, then it would be Tommy retroactively as we explained until now. But if it is moist and we can see that it is very recent, then it would only retroactively make things Tommy to the point where we are able to say that it would still be moist now. So the maximum amount of time that we think that it might have been here... That's the amount of time during which if a sanctified food like truma might have touched the item of clothing or the sheretz, it would be considered tome. Now, truth be told, Rabbi Shimon is only arguing in the case of a sheretz, because in the case of a bloodstain, it's very possible that water might have dropped onto the bloodstain since it was there, and that would have kept the blood moist. So the fact that it's still moist is actually not a proof that it is very recent. So Rabbi Shimon only argues in the case of a sheretz. Mishnah Gimel, any bloodstains that are on clothes that come from the area called Rechem, this is on the eastern border of Eretz Israel, Tahirin, those clothes are actually considered to be pure because this was occupied, inhabited by non-Jews and the Nidor blood of non-Jews is actually not Tomei at all. Mijabonon, we consider them to be Tome, but that's only if we know for sure that they are in Nidor. But these stains that might not even have come from a woman's womb, there's only a possibility, so with regards to these, the decree never applied, and therefore the clothes would be pure. Rabbi Yehudah Tame, however, Rabbi Yehudah says that the clothes are actually Tome, because the people who live in that area are not non-Jews, they are actually people who converted to become Jewish, just that Vitoyin. They are making a mistake, meaning they don't behave in all of the ways that regular Jewish women would behave. And usually regular Jewish women would be very careful to make sure that any clothes with kasomim on, bloodstains, would be hidden. They wouldn't be found in the public because of their impurity. Whereas the women in Rechem were not careful about this. But since at the end of the day they are Jewish, so those clothes would be Tome, and that is the reason for Yehuda's opinion. Now, the next part of the Mishnah talks about what the rule is. We're not necessarily talking on practical terms, but haboim bin hagoyim, clothes which, if we were to know as a fact, came from non-Jews, they're owned by non-Jews, and the blood that would be on them is certainly came from non-Jews, tohirin, those clothes remain pure, because like we said, even though midrabonon, non-Jewish women are considered to be tome like a nidah, this does not apply to blood that might not even have come from them. Right. On the other hand, if there is an item of clothing with a bloodstain, Mibin Yisrael, Mibin Akusim, that came and is owned by a Jew or by a Kusi, the Kusim were a nation who converted en masse to become Jewish, and at least according to this Mishnah, their conversion is valid, and because of that, they have the laws of a Jew, and they would be Tome, and the blood that comes out of them would be Tome, like a regular Jew. And the Gemara actually explains that we're supposed to add in a few words into the Mishnah. The Mishnah is missing a few words. We need to add the word Tameim, that they would be Tome in this case, where the clothes came from Jews or Kusim. And the continuation of this Mishnah is actually talking about a new case. It's sort of a different part of the Mishnah, talking about a item of clothing that was found in a city, in an area that is inhabited by Kusim. 
Now, we mentioned earlier that the practice of regular Jewish women was that they were careful to hide and not allow any clothes that had a kesem, a bloodstain on it, to be found in the public. So if we found an item of clothing in an area that is inhabited just by Jews and there's a bloodstain on it, then actually we would assume that it's not blood that came from the womb of a Jewish woman. We would presume that it's blood that came from a different source. Perhaps it's the blood of an animal. Because we were so confident that the Jewish women would hide and not allow such an item of clothing to be found in the public. The question is whether the Kusi women were also so careful. Rabbi Meir Rabbi says that an item of clothing like that, which is found in a Kusi area, would be Tomei, because they were not actually as careful like the regular Jewish women. On the other hand, the Chachom Matarin, the Chachom say that it would be pure, because they were not suspected of not being careful with clothes that had these stains on them. So just like regular Jewish women, they were careful, and therefore if a item of clothing is found with a bloodstain in a public area, we would presume that it came from a different source, for example, the blood of an animal.